Hello, welcome to the Weight Endurance Podcast, formerly known as the Session 6 Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Waite, sitting across the table from my lovely co-host, Kathy Waite. Hello, hello. Uh, welcome back to episode 25. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by our 2020 Base Builder Program. It's our 15th year of going through this program, and yeah, it's amazing. going quite well. So we, we take you through our annual off-season base training thought processes and training progressions to make you a fitter and faster rider by spring. Um, so this week, um, well, what just happened, the Leadville lottery was mm. last weekend. Um, yeah, that's stirred, stirred up the pot here. Everyone's yeah. excited and yeah, it's, it, scrambling to start their training. Exactly. Got tons and tons of questions. So I thought we'd plug in here this week talking a little bit, one, addressing those questions. Yeah, we got lots, lots of questions. Of questions. Um, which is really super cool. And then we'll talk a little bit about Leadville specifically, kind of talk about what I'm going to be doing for Leadville, and then through the questions we've received over this week, um, hopefully answering maybe some other questions that listeners out there might have. Sure, well. yeah, general so, training questions. Yeah. Um, and then we'll also touch on week 23 of our Base Builder program for those following that and following along and wondering what's coming up uh, for this coming week. Um, yeah, so, what? I mean, what have we been up to other than I've been answering a lot of email questions yeah about you've been on Leadville the computer training. quite a bit um <laughs> yeah I actually am like officially sick with a cold mm. um right so frustrating like ironic I guess since our last, last episode, right, episode our last was about um avoiding illness and training around illness and you were kind of like you weren't really sick last yeah, week but there was something well, like for two weeks I've been like tiptoeing along this precipice right of maybe doing too much I yeah and Damn just, it. yeah, it was a combo, I think, and this is applicable to probably most people here. It was a combo of, in my opinion, a lot of good quality training, yeah, stress. I was nailing it. Yeah, you were doing a pretty solid amount there. And then adding in the stress, like family slash life stress. Of yeah, our Emma oldest was daughter from was home from college and it just added more, more activity, activity, more things to work around. And, interaction, like yeah. being a mom and I, I can be kind of... Um, Oh, you know, anxious at times, and I, she was, she was worried. She was trying to work through some things, and I was in it with her, and yeah. it wore me out. And then I didn't sleep very well, and I'm very sensitive to not getting sleep. So yeah, and so I mean, it's an easy mistake. I mean, we've preached before on the podcast here about you know if your life stress goes up, your training stress has to come down. Otherwise, you flirt with illness or injury or burnout or whatever. And it's like we fully know that we fully preach it, and yet we still—it's really hard when you're in the middle of it. it like when I look back, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. When I look back, I see, oh yeah, I was going into a lot of the Tuesday and Thursday training sessions like tired, had hadn't slept well, fussing about it. But then I would hit my numbers and thought, well, that that means I'm fine. Mm -hmm. But it was too many days like that where I was just a bit run down, and then. Just catches up with you. Yeah, I, yeah. Honestly, I'm kind of embarrassed about it, but I'm just a human like everyone else listening to this podcast and trying to do the best I can. And um, yeah, obviously, when you have a chest cold, then it kind of smacks you in the face, and you have to take a realistic look of like, should I have rested more? And I know um, I should have, obviously. Right. So. Right. Um, well, the takeaway I think is for everyone listening. It's just what what I just said. Yeah. To resummarize the summary. Uh, <laughs> Is to, uh, you know, life, work, family stress goes up, training stress 
most likely and should come down right. to some degree to keep that fairly balanced so you don't so someone doesn't catch a cold yeah. or what for you know anything like that so when one level area of life stress goes up another area has to come down yeah um and for sure so i think that's a good take so here i am so um thankfully even though i sound kind of funny um and i have this cold in my chest like this cough i i don't feel like horrible so I've been able to still work a little bit. I've just been going to bed early and sleeping late. Yeah, and I think um, you're adjusting your kind of planned workouts. Just you're still training, but dialing it way back. Oh Keeping yeah, like on Tuesday, I just spun on the bike. I really didn't even get my heart rate up. Yeah, but so it, Tuesday there was some intervals planned at upwards of ninety percent of max heart rate, kind of anaerobic threshold stuff. And you, yeah, you smartly dialed it back, kept it aerobic, very easy in nature. And, and I think I'm going to feel up to doing the same thing today. Um, today's Thursday, and it's fine. It's just yeah. a little bit sad, but and moving. Up, I'll move forward and um, just see how I feel. I think next week I'll be back to doing what I want to do. Yeah. In episode 24, our last one, we talked a lot about how to work around illness if you come down with a cold and whatnot, how to kind of adjust your training and whatnot. So if that's something that is maybe happening to you or just, you know, tune into that show find that show episode 24 and has lots of the kind of what we suggest on how to deal with that kind of situation um what have you what have you been up what to else doing? i've just been plugging away nothing fancy other than talking to a lot of people about leadville which yeah, i, I love to fun. talk about so um and then we've been getting our well our podcast cover has been updated people may or may not have noticed that but no longer is the big s6 hexagon mm-hmm. on there it's now the weight endurance uh kind of logo and cover so shout out to our it guy john sisk for helping us get that together um and we're turn- switching over redirecting urls and just moving more and more forward in the mm-hmm. rebranding process from session six which is no longer um and now it's uh weight endurance on our endurance side of things and then the crossfit side of session six was sold to uh sean paris yeah. He renamed his CrossFit, CrossFit Common Fortitude. Common Fortitude, yeah. So, so it's got a fun logo, CFCF. So yeah. that's plugging along. And he's for doing him. a great job with that. So everything's just busy cruising along here. Um, good week of training last week, week 22 of our base builder program. So we're into that anaerobic threshold level, kind of the upper level. So what we refer to as 32 minute power, uh, which is determined through our testing and kind of training zone calculations. Coming, moving forward, we're going to be in a week 23 um, mm-hmm. as people start listening to this episode. Um, and it's the second week of the 32-minute power uh, workouts. And, um, I mean, these are definitely getting tough. They require a lot of just muscular endurance, I think. So I didn't get to else. do the workout on Tuesday. What did you think about it? Um, I thought it was great. I mean... Was it doable? Were you able to hit your numbers? Yeah. So the first week, we do this... um, We did this the last... When we started with 64 minutes, so week 20, week 20, I think it was, um, we did the same strategy, which is I built in mini rest breaks within the greater interval to allow people to essentially get a taste or a little flavor of what the Mm -hmm. power output requirement is. But then inserting those breaks to make it very manageable mentally, also keep heart rates in check. Because um, as we talked about in previous episodes, we don't like to get much above 90% of max heart rate in training um, just because it's a little too stressful um, and hard to recover from. So we're 
back at that. So okay. compared to two weeks ago, we're at a, a five to eight percent more power, um, doing this more or less the same interval structure, but just more power. Yeah, did that feel significantly more, or were you ready for it? Yeah, I don't think it, I mean, really, honestly, 5 to 8%, depending on a person's fatigue rate from the test results, um, it's not a significant okay. amount of more power. Like, my 64-minute power target was just under 300 watts, and this week it's uh, 312 watts for 32-minute okay. power. So, um, what is that like? A, it's like a 15, 16 or 17-watt difference, so not a big difference, but... It's still more, um, so it definitely is challenging. And I think this week 23 coming up, where we are going to do both Tuesday and Thursday interval sessions are the same, four times eight minutes straight mm. through. So that's definitely going to be yeah, that's gonna challenging. Be a good one. Yeah, at that 32 minute power. So all four workouts, Tuesday and Thursday of this week, and Tuesday and Thursday of last week, we are doing 32 minutes worth of work at our calculated maximum 32 minute power output um, but it, the difference is the first session was segmented into two minute kind of mini intervals then four minute and then the last two this coming okay. week will be those four by eight so since i'll miss the first week of this 32 minute power workout um based on what we said in, in the last episode will i pull my power back a little bit like if I, instead of holding like 210 watts, will I hold like 200 for the intervals? Probably, yeah. I would at least suggest the first few intervals. Yeah, yeah just dialing to see it how back. I feel. Yeah, because okay. you did. I don't think you've gotten like full blown sick where you haven't been able to do anything. Right. Like if you had to take a whole week off, I'd say dial it back five percent. You know, at least coming back. But since you've been able to keep moving, just super low intensity, I don't think you'll have lost that okay. much. So, but maybe that first or set first one or two intervals, yeah, I would dial it back just so you. It's not maybe quite as much of a shock to the <laughs> yeah, system. That's what it might be a shocker. <laughs> yeah, and ease into it. So I think that's always a good strategy. I mean, it goes back to my golden rule. I can't take credit for it, but I like to say it is it's way better to be 10% undertrained than 1% overtrained. Well, so. Yeah, that was actually ringing in my ears the last couple of days. Like, yeah. damn it, I, I clearly overtrained just a little bit. Um, I didn't realize it in the moment, but then you put the big picture that I didn't get quite enough sleep. Then I couldn't recover from the training, and boom, I got sick. Right, right. So we'll ease you back in next okay. week. I think you'll be feeling better by next week. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so all really good stuff. If you're a little confused on like our power references, 64-minute power, 32-minute power, so on, go back and listen to, I think it was episode, I don't really remember, I want to say 11 or 12 about our testing protocol, and that talks all about like our different training levels based off of the energy systems and whatnot, if it, if it appeals to you, if you want to learn more. Um, so that's on the bike next week. And then in the gym, um, continuing what we've been doing, that kind of stability and power focus. Uh -huh. Um, so we built up. Yeah, that's been going really well. Yeah. The heavy weightlifting November, December. Now, um, since the new year switched over to that stability and power focus. Um, so a second time through now with the next week, renegade rows as the core to extremity movement. Turkish get-ups, which is a great movement. Mm -hmm. um, that one always, in the moment, feels like you're not, like for me, like I'm oh, not yeah. accomplishing much, but it's such a good You movement. know, the day after we did it last week, my um, deltoids, my shoulders oh. were really you sore. You felt it, yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's from the Turkish get-ups. Yeah. Interesting. It's funny because it's a slow movement. You don't do very many of them, but yeah, it, it requires total body control. Yeah, it's a great movement. It really is. It's really great. And then the stability variants... Um, 
we'll go through again for the second time the split stance good morning which mm-hmm. is a super cycling mountain bike particularly specific movement um, for hamstring and low back hip hinging strength and kind of durability keeps the low back from getting sore um, in longer events and then also the single kettlebell front squat or overhead squat um, which is an awesome movement if people are able to like the overhead single arm squat is one of my favorite movements it's very challenging super challenging um, and that's uh, so if people were able to do it the first week um, then they may want to try to do a little heavier weights if they were not able to do it maybe this time they they could accomplish it um, it, it requires a lot of low back stability yes. and that's very much why we always start our workouts with um, like a core set 10 to 15 minutes to wake up the supporting muscles. Yes, exactly. Otherwise you'd hurt yourself doing that yeah. that movement. Yeah, yeah. So our core sets kind of warm you up for these um, stability sets. Um, it's all in the program. And then we'll be finishing out the gym sessions with our power sets, mm-hmm. um, Tabata formats. So 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off. Um, we're bumping it up. I think this last week we bumped up to three minutes, but we'll do three minutes worth of box jump. Tabata, so it's like a three-quarter Tabata, um, and slam ball. Yeah, uh, bo- both movements. are full body movements. Yeah. Get the heart rate up for a few minutes. And, and these are tough. I yeah. co- Well, Ooh. I coached the gym class in-house last, last night, night for you because yeah. you weren't feeling well, and we did the wall ball, three-minute wall ball Tabata. Yeah. Um, and people were, were definitely feeling it. And I yeah. did that myself on Monday's workout, and I can feel a little bit in my adductors. Yeah. But yeah, that it, the idea is like those rapid, not heavy, but rapid movements. It actually gets your heart rate up combined with that strength slash power movement of mm-hmm. throwing something or jumping. And um, it really takes the strength we developed in the fall and starts putting it into power um, this uh, kind of through the winter months here. So let me th- throw something in here. Yeah. I, I was able to do the gym session yesterday, even though I'm sick. But I did not do the power Tabata at the end because I didn't want to get my heart rate too up. Stressful, so yeah. just saying that to anybody else out there who's not feeling 100%, you could probably still do your strength workout. Just don't do that last bit. Yeah. Or maybe do it with a little more rest even. Or, uh, or just skip it. Well, feel it out. Like yeah, I knew for me that just didn't make any sense. Yeah, that was a good call, I think. Um, yeah, so all these movements we referenced and every movement we use in our training program is available video format. Um, on our YouTube channel, which right now is um, Session 6 Sport Performance. That will be changing here somewhat soon to weight endurance. But um, we put together videos of every strength movement that we have in our program, and you can go on there and check them out and see what I look like in person. You're on a couple of them as well. Yeah, it's mostly you. (laughs) Um, But uh, So those are there too on YouTube. I'll put a link in the show notes for that as well. Um, yeah, so that's, that's week 23 coming up in our, in our, what we call our remote base builder program. It's the same program we do in-house at what was session six here in Lakewood, Colorado, um, with the twice weekly trainer workouts, twice weekly gym workouts. We coach those, you coach the strength typically, and I coach Mm -hmm. the bike workouts and, um, people can have been able to join and follow along remotely at home on their kicker at home in their gym at home or at their local rec center or whatever. And, um, having a lot of great success with that. Um, and then we also have our uh, stock training plans available online, and there'll be a link in the show notes, um, and you can use the discount code BASEBUILDER25, in all capitals, for 25% off of any of our stock base builder training plans. So it's January. Well, we're nearing the end, I guess, of January already. I can't believe it. Um, so it's, if you haven't started your base training, you need yeah. to... 
get, get on, on it. it, but it's not too late. It <laughs> yeah. just means you need to get you need to get moving. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Well, we have a few questions that came yeah, in. Yeah, a few that came that you wanted to present from people in house. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So a couple questions re- that I got from um, in house trainer sessions this week. So that some people have asked, and I think it's possible that other people at home doing this, whether you're following our program or you're training at home following any kind of program. Um, we have become a fan um, this year and utilizing the slope mode mm-hmm. on uh, doing intervals in the gym on our Wahoo Kickers and um, as opposed to the ERG mode. So ERG mode locks you in based off of a percentage of your FTP um, and more or less forces you to pedal around 90 RPM at mm-hmm. a, this prescribed wattage. Um, there's pros and cons to that where slope mode is more, in my opinion, realistic to riding outside. Um, and it's up to you, the rider, to stay focused, create the power in whatever gear and cadence combination you want. Um, and there's pros and cons to that as well, mm-hmm. right? So I always equate erg mode to running on a treadmill, where the treadmill's creating the pace and you just more or less have to keep up. It's kind of what erg mode is. Versus running outside where, or slope mode on the trainer where it's up to the person to make the pace and, and stay engaged and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I think I like slope mode better. Yeah. I mean, we've had people in, in-house at the gym tell us both. Like, some like it, some don't. Some prefer ERG. They're wondering when we'll do ERG. And we will go back to ERG at some point down the road here for some specific intervals. But we won't talk about that today. Um, but some questions I got being in slope mode. Um, one is, well, actually, yeah, so... The power targets when you're pedaling, and this is true power, using a power meter indoors or outdoors, the power targets jump around mm-hmm, quite a bit. Um, it's really hard to say, I want to pedal at 250 watts and literally like hold 250 watts. And that is an argument for erg mode, is that it will contain you very close to that 250 watts. Um, but that's not how it is outside, so I like it in slope mode this way. So is there a better way to do this is what people were asking me is there like some other way we could put it up on the board up on the tv screen of something to look at okay um so i wanted to address that because i have a feeling other people have that question so there's two two ways to do this the the way i do it and the way that would be sort of ideal Mm -hmm. is um and, and people should be able to do this pretty easily at home on their own is have on your computer screen on your you know, bike computer, your Wahoo or your Garmin, have a window that has the average power for the interval. You're do- no, oh, for, for the, the interval. Oh, for the interval, for the lap. Yeah, for the lap. Yeah. And that way you know that's the target you want to maintain. Um, and the beauty part of doing intervals on the trainer is they are very steady mm-hmm. in nature. So even though the power in the moment, even three-second power average, will fluctuate and bounce around a bit, um, having that average power to focus on really helps sort of smooth Agreed. it out. Agreed. In fact, on Tuesday, when I was just spinning easily, I was peeking over at Sophia's uh, Wahoo head unit mm-hmm. to see what she was up to. Because um, you're right up on the television screen, it was jumping all over the place. I'd see like 230 for her, 160, right. 180. It was crazy. Yeah. But I peeked over on her head unit, and I saw that her, her average for the lap was like... Um, I think it was like 200, like what she was supposed to do. And I'm okay. like, oh, she's doing it. No, it was like 220. I was like, oh, she's doing it. Good job for her. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, yeah, and it's um, so that average window on your computer is a great way to do it. Yeah, I agree. Um, and as a side note, why that it's hard to fluctuate is the device recording or measuring your power, whether it's your power meter um, or the smart trainer, is taking samples of your force on the pedals and cadence, turning it over multiple times per second. So, um, which is good. It gives us a, a more accurate picture of what's going on, but it creates a very right. Because if you're pushing over the down. top of the pedals, it's a lot of power. If you're pulling, it's yeah, it might be less. Right, exactly. So that's kind of why that's happening. Um, <clears throat> now, for those in house with us, and for someone who maybe doesn't have the ability to have an average for the interval, um, or just an additional thing to consider is. Um, thinking back to what what is creating the power. So it's a com it's a multiplier of the force you're applying to the pedals, which is directly related to the gear you're in. Mm -hmm. And then the cadence at which you're pedaling, which is the velocity. So from a physics classroom standpoint, in a nutshell, force times velocity equals power. Um, so force is the gear, velocity is your cadence, and that creates the watts. So when you're on a trainer, because they're so static, they, all trainers are essentially a power meter in the sense that assuming all other variables are the same or as close to the same as possible, like tire pressure, if you have an on-wheel um, trainer um, and other variants, but if everything's more or less equal, if the same gear at the same cadence should produce the same power. Now, if you have a smart trainer, it will calculate and tell you what that power is. Mm -hmm. If you have a dumb trainer, you don't have that ability. But as long as all those uh, all the variables stay the same, that same gear, the same cadence will create the same power. So if you have an idea, what I told people in class on Thursday or on Tuesday was instead of focusing on the power number that might be kind of bouncing around and distracting you, get a good idea of what gear you're pedaling at what cadence you're pedaling. Right, right that gets you really, really close to that target power you're looking right. for. And then switch your focus on maintaining the cadence. Yeah, that's what I said in the last podcast. Okay. Because I was getting annoyed by the power jumping around yeah, too. Okay. But I knew that if I was like basically like 90 RPMs, it was right, it was a sweet spot for where I needed to be for okay. the average. Yeah. And it does a lot. If you really focus on that, one, it's much easier to manipulate and control your cadence mm -hmm. because it's taking a measurement every single time your pedal goes around so that might be just slightly faster than a second so it's a much like larger sampling window so it's easier to keep more steady and then you just focus on that cadence and your power it'll still bounce around some but will hover more or less and what i right like point. about that it, it clues you into being aware of what your body's doing yeah like you're your mechanics and your just your kinesthetic movement. Yeah, yeah. And you can see it in, in class with us is that people, you'll see them, yeah, their cadence will kind of vary somewhat widely on these, you know, on the trainer. Outside, that's kind of normal because there's always different pitches in the grade and the wind and all that. But inside you, you know, there's no reason to start a four-minute interval and have your cadence, like, range from 80 to 100 within that four minutes. It's like... You kind of want to dial it in, and maybe it's going to fluctuate one or two RPMs either side mm -hmm. of the target. Um, but it's a good time to practice being smooth, smooth and efficient. Exactly. Yeah, so you're getting that benefit as yeah, well. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, so I think that's a good way to kind of do it or an additional thing to think about. 
um, as you're doing that. Well, that sort of goes right into the next question yeah. that we were here is, um, in classes. Is there an ideal cadence for these intervals? Right. So when you're in, if you were to use erg mode, most erg mode software likes to have you around 90 RPM. Um, and if you drop below that, it, the, the torque requirement goes way up. So it's like harder to pedal from a muscular standpoint. And then if you keep your cadence above that, the torque goes down. So it's like, it feels easier from a muscular standpoint. Slope mode, you don't, there's no computer algorithm adjusting things. So there is no real quote ideal cadence. Um, I tell most people, or I tell people in class that you want to probably keep it somewhere between 80 and 100 RPM, depending on your preferences, to produce that power. Um, so there isn't really, in my opinion, an ideal cadence. Um, now, that said, I think if people out there know, like they tend to be a low cadence grinder masher type, or I tend to be a lower cadence or higher cadence lower gear spinner type, this time of the year in the winter, it's not a bad idea to challenge yourself with the opposite. Mm -hmm. right and kind of work on a possible weakness make you a better overall cyclist um so something to consider now when the intervals get really hard and it's like you have to focus on getting you know the best out of every interval you might have to revert back to what works for you but why not try some differences right um, right going through that which i think you challenged victoria to that and she's been experimenting with a little higher cadence and is yeah like her normal right right yeah um, so that's a good thing to do. So no, there isn't an ideal cadence, but there's kind of a range, an ideal range. 80 to 100. 80 to 100. And just as a simplistic way to define it too, is, or put a picture around it, is the lower the cadence, the more muscular demand is involved. And then the higher the cadence, the more aerobic demand, heart rate demand is involved. So if lower cadence would be more as if you're climbing a hill or you're really relying on your muscles versus higher cadence that is maybe getting your heart rate higher and not using as much muscular demand. Right, um, right. So it has, there's kind of two sides to it. Well, should I go ahead and read the question that came in on our forum? Yeah, about that? It, so it's, it's also cadence. It, related, yeah, right? we'll yeah. just keep knocking out the cadence questions. So we had a question um, posted, or yeah, comment and a question posted by someone with the handle AMEAIM88. Um, on their forum, and this person says, I've noticed that during the longer anaerobic threshold intervals, my cadence wants to drop below 90. Is it better to drop into the 80s and keep the power in the target zone, or keep up the cadence and reduce the resistance and therefore the power? Thanks. Yeah, and that's a good question. So when we're training anaerobic threshold, so that's kind of our 64 to 32 minute power, um, <clears throat> um, Lost my train of thought here. So is it? He was asking if it's better to reduce his cadence to the eighties to keep the power up. No. So you want to focus on producing the target power that's okay. required, um, and if that, you know, requires a falling, you know, to a little lower cadence, that is totally fine. So, so the, the goal isn't to keep it at ninety. The goal is to to hit the power numbers for the workout. Yeah, hit the power numbers. Um, and the only thing that would maybe change that is if your heart rate goes beyond 90% of max heart rate. So if you see your heart rate climbing above 90%, then it's time to consider reducing the power or resistance 
or taking a short 20 second break if it's within a bigger interval or something okay. to kind of let that heart rate demand come down, recover a little bit. Um, the reason being, if we push ourselves be much beyond 90% of max heart rate, it's very stressful and does a lot of things to our like hormones and yeah. makes it difficult to recover from the workout and um, put simply, it's just too stressful. Right, so. but to answer this person's question, he can he or she can drop down into the 80s for RPM yes. to hit the power numbers. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It'll put a little more demand on the muscles, which often does feel easier to put out the same power um, until your muscles poop out, but um, <laughs> which eventually happens. But okay. yeah, you can definitely drop the, the cadence down. But awesome. focus on that power. Yeah, I, I think I mentioned this in the last podcast. I... Although, like, outside, I'll, I'll spin, like, 100 to 105 pretty normally. It, for these anaerobic threshold intervals, I've been doing more like 88 to 92. Okay. So, to keep my heart rate lower. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Um, let's move on to the next part. Okay. Leadville 100 discussion. Oh, right. Yeah. A lot of excitement in the air right now. <laughs> yeah. So, it's 30 weeks to the Leadville 100. So, I mean, unless you live under a rock... Or very very new to cycling, most people don't know what the Leadville 100 mountain bike race is. It's been around, I should know, many years, 25. Yeah, and you've done it how years. many times? I've done it three. Okay. Um, last year was the third year, and I actually DNF'd, which I don't do very often in in any race, but um, due to a knee issue that I just had to pull the plug because I didn't want to create right. bigger problems. Um, and I've done it zero times. You've done it zero times. We've done the stage race a few times. Well, I've done it once. once. Yeah, I guess we've And then I was signed up to do Leadville 100 last year, but had my IT band issue. Right, right. So I've been asked this year, are you going to do Leadville, Kathy? Um, I'm just waiting to see. I did not put my name in the lottery, like some of our friends. Um, but if I decide I want to do Leadville 100, if my body's cooperating, if I'm feeling motivated to, to train for it, I'll jump into something like the stage race and I shouldn't have any problems qualifying. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you're just going to kind of play it by ear. Play it by ear. It might be a semi-last-minute de decision, right. possibly. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. stay tuned. Right, like a midsummer decision. What's fun to me about the level 100 and like this time of year is that some of our friends got into the lottery. Yeah. And now they're super excited. Right. Like maybe they haven't been training and... Um, just maybe you're not sure what they wanted to do this this summer, and yeah. they got in. So now they're excited and pumped, and that's right. the cool thing about a big signing, event. A big event, yeah. signing up for races. Now you have some motivation to get your butt in gear. Yeah, and it's a great event. I mean, from all aspects. I mean, I love the course. Um, I do too. Some people poo poo it because it's like a lot of gravel roads and there's a fair bit of pavement and all these things, but it's really fun. I mean, I like the out and back nature of it. Mm, me too. Um, you know, it's uh, it's a, just a great and a fitness demanding course and requires a lot of pacing, as does any hundred mile event. But yeah, I like the fitness um, aspect to it. Yeah, and it's just great. And then it's it's well run. Um, you know, you know, when Lifetime Fitness took it over, in my opinion, it you know is just as good, if not better. And it just gets a lot of fanfare and and noise about it that yeah. is just fun to be a part of. Um, and it keeps drawing me back. I thought the first year I did it in 2015, it was sort of like a bucket list one time thing. Oh, you and it's, that? yeah. And it's just oh, kind of like funny. sucked me in. It's like I finished 701 in 2015, seven hours and one minute. And, um, and of course I got to come back to try to break seven hours. So, 
Um, <laughs> I think that then I didn't do it in 16. Wait, that was 15. Did I do it the next year I or two years? I forget. Honestly. I think it was like two years later I did it again. And it was like 7.12 or 7.14. The conditions were different. And the course had changed to yeah, slightly that's... longer on Columbine or something. That's the confusing part. Um, yeah, there's a little change. I don't think that'll happen this year. Um, course changes. It's fun to do the same course so you can compare your times. Mm-hmm. And then last year, did it um, somewhat last-minute decision and um, wasn't as prepared as I should have been and then made a equipment mistake, with which resulted in my knee not yeah. working for me. So, um, so I'm back this year. But anyway, yeah, the lottery happened last weekend. We have 30 weeks to go. Um and um, I've been getting flooded with questions on training plans because I have a really nice, in my opinion, a really well done um, training program specifically for Leadville that happens to be 30 weeks long. Oh, people, grab it. Yeah. Quick. And um, it's basically 18 weeks of base builder, which is our base training modalities, and then 12 weeks of what we refer to as our ultra marathon distance race prep. Mm-hmm. Um completing that 30 weeks up to Leadville and um, it allows plenty of room to fit in other races if you want to qualify or improve your corral position things like that um, and it's a great plan so um, that's available on our website and or through Training Peaks um, in their plan store if you search the easiest way to find it well I'll have links in the show notes here but you can also search my name in the plan store or just type in Leadville 100 and it'll <laughs> pop up um, in in the Training Peaks plan store, but um, but you are going to do more than Leadville. You are signed up and selected for the special new thing this year called Leadboat. Yes, we're on Saturday. You'll race Leadville, and on Sunday you'll race the Steamboat Gravel Race. Yes. How long is the gravel race? A uh, hundred and forty-four miles. I think. Okay, Oof. mama. Yeah, big weekend. So yeah, and in, in the moment, like when they announced that they were doing this this combo event. It sounded like such a great idea. Well, it is a great idea. And <laughs> now maybe I'm. No. Uh, I might be regretting that. Buyers come Sunday. Now? Yeah. Come, well, come Sunday, August thirteenth uh, or whatever the oh, date I'll is. I'll push you out of bed and right. you'll get dressed. You'll be fine. Um, but yeah, so lead boat challenge. It's pretty cool. I mean, there's you know two. Well, one historically iconic race, Leadville, and then relative new but massively popular steamboat gravel. Both, I think they're roughly two hours apart here in Colorado, and. They ended up this year being on the same weekend. I think last year it was Leadville one weekend, Steamboat the next weekend. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, they the dates landed both of them Saturday and Sunday. So my understanding is the two race organizers like put their heads together and said, "Hey, we don't want to like drop take someone away from one event right, that would otherwise right. do the other event, and like maybe we could create this combo thing, which they did." And I think they're just trying it out this year. So it was like they you had to apply to get in. It's 50 racers. And what's really cool is they wanted 25 male racers and 25 female racers. Because mm-hmm. um, Steamboat in particular is very big on the equality parity, they call it. I learned that new word um, about men's and women's being equal okay. um, in, Very cool. in these events. So I'm a fan of that. Yeah, it was really cool. And so a week later, whatever it was, I got an email that said I was selected, um, and it's amongst like some pretty big name. Oh, yeah, like Jake Wells? and. Well, Jake Wells is the 40-year-old. He's my 40-year-old nemesis, <laughs> in quote, friendly nemesis, in quotes. So we'll be duking it out. But it's like all the pros, Peter Stetna and Payson, uh, Mac- 
McElveen. I can never say his name. And I think Ted King, and I mean all the oh, big, yeah, big names. Big names. It's really fun. Yeah. So I'm not going to be quote racing them, but um, I'll be in the race with them. Um, but uh, it'll be a, a huge challenge to say the least. Um, so yeah. yeah. So how are you going to tackle this? What, what's your plan? Yeah, so the way my season will play out, and this may or may not be interesting to people, but maybe help people build their season around Leadville or a big event like this. Um, I'm doing our 24-week base builder, mm-hmm. what, like what we're doing in the in the gym here locally. Um, and that started back in November or October. And um, then following that with an eight-week race prep plan to sort of a first mini peak of soft A races of the Sea Otter and the Epic Rides Whiskey 50. And those oh, are both those. the second half of April. Um, so that'll just give me, I picked a real early season events like that in April, um, early for us here in Colorado particularly, um, just as something to be motivating that mm-hmm. carrot of fun races. I mean, we've done both races and they're just great events, both Sea Otter and Epic Rides Whiskey 50. Yeah, they're good destinations to get out of town yeah, when you're spring. kind of tired of the, right. the winter. And yeah, really well done events, like a lot of hoopla around both of them. Right, right. So a little cross-country race in California and then um, the marathon 50-miler in um, Prescott. Prescott, Arizona. So um, that's sort of the first big build. And then I'll have what I'm calling my lead boat build, which will be about 15 weeks. So after Whiskey 50, I'll probably take a week off to recover, kind of refresh. And then I'll have 15 weeks till the lead boat weekend. And the first 10 weeks of that is going to have a slight cross-country focus um, leading up to cross-country nationals here in Winter Park. I want to do that again. I have some unfinished business in the cross-country where I just missed – the win by a couple of four or five seconds yeah, I think, after crazy. having two flats on the course. So, um, I want to get some redemption I had there. Three flats. Well, yeah, I stopped three times okay. to put air in. Um, and, uh, then after that, we'll leave four weeks of a big endurance focus going into it. So you won't do more high intensity intervals after uh, cross country nationals. Yeah. You'll focus on like the longer, slower rides. Right, exactly. Okay. And it's not that I'm not going to get long rides in in those first ten weeks. Mm-hmm. I definitely will, but they'll, like you just said, they'll be a much more intense intensity focus getting ready for cross country nationals okay. um, with like an underlying endurance build. But then after cross country nationals, yeah, I won't. I, won't need to do any kind of intensity. It'll be just like some good solid long rides in the mountains. That'll be a good change of pace. Three weeks. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I'll be eager for that. I'll be done with intervals and things by then. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, and that will hopefully get me through lead boat and you know, maybe we'll that'll be kind of a fun show when we get down in August about because there's a lot of logistics there with the big Saturday race. Yeah, that's you know, what I'm thinking about. What do you because... do the night before race day, and then being prepared after the race for recovery and getting over to Steamboat. Well, yeah, and you you will have a different perspective than I because you you're the racer, and like, what do you have to do to prepare for two huge events? But then the girls and I the support, have to yeah. to plan like big time for the. Support. It'll be just as stressful. Oh my god, for... it's so stressful. Probably more stressful, honestly. Because I feel like I've <laughs> dialed it in for Leadville mm-hmm. since we've done it three times. I mean, we have. I had like a, a, a timeline down to the minute of where I need to be. And it right. is crazy, crazy. 
and water bottles labeled and snicker bars and stuff. But I don't know anything about the Steamboat Gravel Course, so I'm going to have to do some yeah. reconnaissance and some planning and asking people who did it last year, like, Absolutely. where do I go? Oh, dear. Okay. Yeah, there'll definitely it's be, gonna some, be something. some recon. And the other thing, too, is, I mean, we'll see. I, of course, I want to race Steamboat to the best of my ability, but at the same point, it's like... Leadville is what I want to really race because mm -hmm. I still have that sub seven goal. Right. And then Steamboat is like whatever I've got left. I mean, if I just finish, I'd be thrilled. If I finish with a good time, all the better. Um, so it won't be as stressful. Leadville will be the stressful day okay. for both parties, both of us. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sunday will be just a hopefully a, a quote fun day. We'll Type see. two fun. Fun when it's over. Kind exactly. Of <laughs> Um, I'll look forward to one of those pizzas in Leadville after you race. Yeah. What's the name of that place? Mountain High Mountain Pies. Oh my or mountain god, pies. so yummy. Yeah. Highly recommend that in Leadville. Yeah, and then just figuring out immediate recovery and you know lining up whatever you know probably get some some sort of massage scheduled somewhere in one of the towns and mm -hmm. getting over there, getting hydrated and. Yeah, and then yeah. trying to get some sleep because I think yeah, we still have a lot to figure really, out, like where do we yeah. sleep and all that stuff. But it'll be a fun new challenge to do. All right, and so then, after that weekend, it's four weeks to marathon nationals. Yeah, then it's a huge question mark. Like I even put here, like if I have anything left, and that's mental capacity or physical capacity, it's four weeks to the marathon mountain bike national championships in Texas, which. We are going to because our we development team is going to that. But well, I'll race that one. And too. you'll definitely race that one. And I hope to race that one. And um, you know, but again, it's on my schedule. It's in my annual training plan. So it's gonna be a lot of recovery from that big weekend, and then not much training, honestly, for four weeks to get into there. Um, and we'll just see how it goes. And then for two weeks, for basically a four week span, there's additional race opportunities into the fall. But I highly doubt it'll want to race much more than that but there's the apex uh stages i forget what it's called what is that one apex it's in colorado springs it's a new race oh. put on by rock shocks it's like a stage race in colorado springs something That's apex. i don't know about it and then the end of that the oz off-road epic rides uh race is a something in arizona I've, or arkansas arkansas that yeah I wanted to try, but I usually don't have energy or interest yeah. <laughs> that late in the Probably year. Probably not. So we'll but see. I do like the trails in Arkansas, so we'll see. Yeah. So that's my plan for, for <clears throat> Leadboat and kind of how I'm squeezing everything in. And, of course, there'll be many more other smaller, less important races along the way. But um, it's kind of the one way to, to kind of go about it. So. All right. Well, you've gotten lots of emails that have come in. Okay. So let's, let's tackle some of those. Cool. This comes from Chris Brooks. Um, good afternoon. I just found out last night that I got into the 2020 Leadville Mountain Bike 100. This will be my second time. My first was in 2017 when I turned 50. My time was 9.49, but now I want the big buckle. And what do you need for a sub, that sub nine sub for a big nine buckle? Sub nine is the big buckle, okay. yeah. I live in Ohio, and much of my training will be on the trainer via Swift, Zwift, Trainer Road, Sufferfest, with longer rides on the weekends. I am interested in your 30-week plan and would like to know if you thought it necessary to do the high volume in order to go sub nine hours. I have a special needs son who requires a lot of my time, but I could swing the extra few hours per week on the bike if needed. I'm not trying to do, um, not trying to podium or do anything special. I just want to go under nine hours, eight fifty-nine, fifty-nine. Right. Thanks, Chris. Well, to clar clarify, to go under nine hours, I would consider that something special. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's nothing to to balk at or no, and that's downplay. Man, that's exciting. 
if you're standing near the finish line with the clock running at yeah. 55 and then well we had an athlete ian last oh year didn't yeah, he just was, come in he was yeah, the last was one super exciting under he was, nine hours he was the 859 59 yeah he yeah. Like collapsed across the finish oh, line because so he had to a sprint yeah. coming up the road yeah so i mean it's that is a great uh great goal to have um so real quickly i think he's kind of asking almost like the difference between our high volume and low volume options mm-hmm. so in a nutshell um the the so our our low volume plan revolves around say five hours a week up to about 14 hours a week at the highest point, kind of midsummer. I'd say the average is right around seven to eight hours per week um, for low volume. Um, the high volume kind of kicks it up a bit. It's more like uh, I think the lowest might be seven hours and it goes up to 16, 17, even 18. It has ability to adjust there at the highest point, um, okay. kind of midsummer. With the average, I think, hovering around 10 hours a week. So not a massive difference between the two, but that said, it is it is a difference. Um, and for most amateur riders, tr- people training and racing for this, um, you know, it's enough of a difference that it takes some thought to think about. So some things to think about is the midweek portion, so kind of the Monday through Fridays, um, are, based, are structured around the same general concept, which is twice a week strength training. That takes roughly an hour. When you get really good at it, it's maybe 45, 50 minutes, but let's just say an hour. Um, Then twice a week structured interval workouts. These are designed to be done on a trainer, although they can very easily be taken outside. Uh, Many people, including myself, have done that. Uh, But it's it's like the shorter, more structured, kind of interval-based workouts. Not always high intensity, but always interval-based. the, now, one difference between the low versus the high on those workouts is the low-volume structured workouts usually are right around 75 minutes. Mm-hmm. The high-volume plan structured workouts are more like an hour 40 to maybe two hours. Okay. So they're not quite twice as long, but a bit substantially more. Okay. Um, you're adding an extra 40, 45 minutes um, to it on those. Um, and then the weekends on the low volume plan, there's kind of the one big endurance ride. Well, it starts out shortish and builds to big. Um, and then the high volume plan suggests, um, an extra kind of structure, longer structured mid intensity ride and the longer endurance ride on the weekend. So more or less saying, you know, if you have the ability to get both weekend day riding both weekend days and you want that extra bit um so that's kind of where the majority of the volume differences come in um so it really becomes to, to answer his question specifically if i want to go nine hours do i need to go on high volume no you don't i mean you anyone can do the low volume plan and have a very very good race at whatever their capability is it really comes down to choosing between the plans is like not only how much time do you have um, but also what, how much training can you absorb? absorb? Right. Cause just training more doesn't always equate to better performance. Cause if it's more on top of a stressful life or a busy job or whatever, it can often be just too much and you get burnt out or sick or whatever. Um, and he does sound like he has a significant life stress with a special needs son. Yes. Yes. And that's what I mentioned to him. So I think I suggested to him, go with the low volume plan mm-hmm. and you can always adjust and add more riding, more volume 
on weeks or days that like make sense where maybe your life stress is a little bit less okay. uh, or you're feeling really good or you know whatever the case is you can always add more you can always add a sec you know another ride on the weekend um, you can always make a three hour ride four hours if it makes sense um, you can always do a little bit extra warm up or warm down for those midweek structured workouts to make them a little longer you know there's a lot of variation in here so um I would steer probably most people, honestly, towards the low volume, especially if you, well, the big things are if you have kids that are 16 years old or younger, low volume. If you have a high demand, high hour, stressful job, um, I'd steer you towards low volume. Those are probably the two big things. Right. right. You know, but if you have a pretty stable, low stress life and you have the time and can get enough sleep, that's the other thing. Um, you know, the, the high volume might be an option. Because okay. the same can be said. You could go high volume and trim that back. Right, but also. you may always feel like you'd you're You'd be falling, tempted to do more. Or you're like, yeah, you feel or like coming you're, falling, you're falling short, and that could yeah. weigh on your mental, That's a good point. Your mental game. There. Very good point, yeah. So I would say I'd steer 80% of the people towards low volume and then adding a little extra if they feel like they can handle it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Okay. Um, well, yeah, Chris, give us some updates. Let us know how it's going. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that goes for everyone. Keep us in the loop of what's going on. All right, question number two about Leadville. Let's okay. see here. From Matthew Gross. Oh, I should have brought my reading glasses now. Some <laughs> small one. font there. Oh, Mama. Uh, hi, Cody. I'm looking at purchasing your 30-week Leadville mountain bike plan, version 3.1, low-volume, okay. structured workouts, and strength program via Training Peaks. In short, I'm riding Leadville 100 mountain bike this year. I was an avid cyclist in a previous life. I rode for Penn State ECCC. I'm not sure what that means. Penn College. State. Okay. Kind of. Rode and mountain bike from 2004 to 2010, and then spent the last 10 years not riding too much. I'm mostly recreational with some bigger rider, bigger rides with friends sprinkled in throughout the years, but no real training or serious efforts. I feel like I could somehow access my OG base again if I start digging in and doing some more focus training. I've never trained, quote, with power, unquote, but I'm determined to get into form to comfortably ride and finish, maybe under nine hours. So I got myself a Wahoo kicker and set up my road and gravel rig and mountain bike rig with stages meters. I'm hoping to use power and heart rate to dial in my weekly training needs as efficiently as possible. I'm looking for a personalized training plan to be as, as efficient as possible with my time on the bike over the next eight months. I run a small company in um, his small company in Louisville, and I have a, uh, well, actually, I don't know if it's Louisville in Colorado or Louisville, Kentucky, um, so I'm not sure. And he has a four-month-old and a three-year-old at home, so volume and, and time is unfortunately, or fortunately, not of the essence. I travel often, and I'm hoping to have running, to have running somehow supplement my training regimen when I do not have access to a bike. Not sure how that could fit in. What would your recommendation and thoughts be? Looking forward, Matt. Okay. I'm going to hand this to you. Yeah, so this one kind of piggybacks off the last question about yeah. volume and whatnot. Yeah, he's um, got a lot going on. Two little kids, running his own company. Right. He has... Travel. He travels for work. Sounds like he was a pretty serious cyclist back in the day. Right. But he's been recreational and non-structured for 10 years. Right. Did I summarize that pretty well? Yeah, I think so. Um, so I think he's right on track. Um Matt from yeah you're either from Louisville or Louis, Louisville, Louisville. Or, yeah Louisville or Louisville <laughs> from Colorado. Right. Well, I'm from Indiana, so we went down to Louisville. Right, 
Well, yeah, because if you're from the east, it's yeah, Lu- I just, it's always a vol. But here in Colorado, we're weird, and it's Lu- Louisville, Colorado. Yeah, who knows? So, um, anyway, rabbit hole. We digress. Um, so yeah, I think he's right on track with everything. Um, yeah, he, he bought some new equipment, so he wants to be in the 2020 like technological situation here and, and be more serious with his training. Yes, and so our, our training programs, both the high and the low, you utilize or reference both power and heart rate, mm-hmm. um, but you don't need a power meter, although you just kind of get more out of it with a power meter right. or a smart trainer um, because of the structured workouts that come with it reference that and they'll you can just dial things in much more specifically and you can also see progress and gains made through the testing that's involved as well Um, but that said if you don't have a power meter don't think you can't follow this you can follow it very very well I mean honestly probably 85 percent or 90 percent of the training you're just as good well off with just a heart rate monitor and not a power meter um so, yeah, I think he's he's all right on track. I mean, he's, he's getting the power meter, he's getting the heart rate monitor, going low volume with his busy life. Um, you know, he is right, I think, if you have a history in cycling, um, that will come back, even if it's been sort of dormant or neglected for a number of years. Um, it will come back, and um, someone like that will see probably more rapid gains mm-hmm. um, following the program because those miles are still in there. They just need to be kind of, Dusted off, and, yeah. yeah, reignited. So um, that is great. And then he mentioned, um, you know, traveling a lot, and you know, which some people have to do for work and whatnot, and and supplementing with running. And I think that is a is a decent idea. It's um, running as far as like an aerobic benefit per minute is actually better than cycling. Um, so it's very time efficient. So if you are either on a really low volume plan or you have to travel and can't bring your bike with you. Um, being able to run is a great way to do it. And if you're not a runner, you know, you either need to kind of ease into running or there's other things similar, like um, if you're in an urban environment and a bigger hotel with like a stairwell, you can kind of like power hike the stairwell or just simply hiking or power walking through some hills. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're not a runner at all and you go out for a three-mile run your first day, you'll kind of regret that so you want to ease into some running but um you know ease into it and yeah those sort of cross training things when you're traveling makes the most out of things so um I think he's he's right on track so I think those were were my thoughts um you know I think he basically he made all the smart decisions and I'm just gonna validate I think yeah I think he this is again what we said that he's excited to have a, a race to train for he's he's motivated to get back into it that's awesome yeah all right all right thanks matt all right question number three comes from stefan or stefan waller um good morning i'm looking forward i'm looking to start your high volume leadville plan this week so I, as i just found out that i'm in congrats yay um i plan to do rattler march 28th a 100k gravel race on April 4th, Firecracker 50 in Breckenridge on July 4th. How, if any, should I move um, anything around the plan for those races? Okay. Oh, oh, then he, uh, you emailed him right back, and then he sent 
um, another email, which is kind of fun, so I just want to read this too. Thanks for the quick response yesterday, Cody. All changes make sense. I went ahead and uploaded the plan to my training peaks and started yesterday. Your plan is one of the most detailed and well laid out I have found. Specifically wanted one that had more weight training, foundation, and off the bike work as well. Looking forward to the next few months. Oh, cool. So thanks, Stefan. Uh, Stefan, that's it's just really nice to get compliments and kudos because I know you've worked hard on those plans. Yeah, yeah. Very good, yeah. Let me hand you Thanks this for the, the kind words. Um, and he chose the high volume, is that what you Yeah, he did, did the high volume. Um, and his the basic theme of his question is adding, how do I add in build-up races to the plan? Um, and this can be, um, make sense for any of the plans, not just the Leadville plan here. So I think this will help address a lot of questions that maybe some of our listeners will have. Um, what I recommend is, so he's got, he's got his main race in eight in August. That's his A race, Leadville. And then, um, the Rattler, I'm assuming it's the Austin Rattler, um, in Texas, which is a lifetime fitness race where he'll get, improve his qualifying, um, corral status. Um, and then he's got a gravel race in April and then firecracker 50, which is a big 50 mile race here in Colorado on July 4th. Um, how should he move things around? Um, so those are great questions. I, a lot of people will have similar questions. So what I recommended to him is following the plan. Um, when you have these early season and kind of early plan races, um, like the one he had, like Austin Rattler at the end of March and the gravel race in April, is to um, stay on track with the training and the week of those races. Those races are what you refer to as either B or maybe even C races. So probably Austin Rattler would be a B race. The gravel race would be a C race, I'm guessing. Um, the week of those races, train like normal, Monday, Tuesday, and if it's a Saturday race, take... Uh, go really easy and remo remove the workouts for Wednesday through the the rest of the week. Okay. Wednesday can be just an easy recovery workout because Tuesday is, is almost always um, some sort of structured interval Intervals, day. Intervals, yeah. So Wednesday's a recovery spin kind of day. Two days out from the race, just take that day completely off. And then the day before the race, you would do what we refer to as our race prep workout. Um, and you would be able to find that actually the day before Leadville. So you can kind of scroll ahead in training peaks to the Leadville week and find that race or the ride on Friday. Mm -hmm. um, you can copy it and then paste it up where you need it um, right. for that Friday. And in a nutshell, a race prep workout is about an hour. Yeah. With mostly easy riding with some... A few little hard efforts. Race efforts. Yeah, to kind of wake up the muscles and get the heart rate up briefly before race day. And then you'll have your race. And then after the race, it's about recovering um, for probably three, four days of easy stuff. Maybe one or two days off in there within those three or four days. And then some easy spinning. And then pick back up on the plan the Wednesday after the race, which would mm. almost always be a strength day. So you kind of okay. ease back in with some strength training. Um, so that's the easiest way to adjust the plan at a race. So the race becomes a great piece of training that you want to be fresh enough to do well, but we're not going to interrupt a whole large amount of training. And then you want to be able to recover enough to get back into training and not be create too much fatigue from, from the race that way. So for those kind of races, that's what I would recommend is you're basically going to delete the Wednesday of race week to the Wednesday after race week. 
Well, really the Tuesday after race week. So do the Wednesday yeah. strength training. Right. So delete Wednesday of race week to Tuesday of the week after. Right. And then plug in what I just said to plug in. And then I think that's the easiest way to have the minimal interruptions and still have a good race experience. Okay. I like that. Um, yeah. And then I also, I recommend it for Firecracker 50 being July 4th. So it's like five weeks or so away from his A race, Leadville, is to consider using that race as... Um, kind of almost like a practice race and maybe taking at least the entire week. So instead of deleting things on Wednesday, maybe you go definitely go back to Monday of that week, maybe even the weekend prior, and more or less remove those workouts, delete those workouts, and copy and paste the week or so before Leadville into that uh, week. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. what you do is, one, it'll give you a little bit more taper, um, for this race, which might be a B race, um, but it also gives you kind of this practice run through what race week or the week, you know, the seven, eight days before Leadville would look like. You get to kind of practice that. You can see how your body responds to that and how you feel on this Firecracker 50 race day um, and see if that worked well. Like, did you feel good that day with how that worked? Or did you feel a little flat and maybe you needed a little bit more the day or two before? Or maybe it wasn't enough. You know, you can kind of just see right, how it goes. Right. It's test, a good practice. Test the waters there. Yeah, and then you can make any adjustments for the real thing in August that way. Um, now, Firecracker 50 is a little unusual because it's always on the 4th of July, which is often falls in the middle of the week, so it's weird. But basically, just take the 7 to 10 days prior to... Leadville, what's on the plan, and plop it into the seven to ten days before yep. Firecracker, and you it, it should work out in um, in that way. So it's a good way to kind of practice things. Um, so I think he liked what I said based on his response, and good luck, and he's liking the plan. <laughs> All right. Um, another level question from uh, Eric Mestis. Hello, Cody. My goal is to race the Leadville 100 mountain bike race in 2021. Okay. So not this year, but the following yeah. year. Yeah. In September, I weighed 326 pounds and started biking to lose weight and get fit. Today, I weigh 257 pounds. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, congrats. He's already lost about 50 pounds. Um, so today, I weighed 257 pounds and finally took a day off biking today after three three straight weeks on the Cyclops Hammer. I saw that you have a training program for level on Training Peaks, and I was wondering if you think that would be good for me. I know I still have a bunch of weight to lose, but would like getting my body ready. I would appreciate your thoughts. Yeah. Well, first of all, congrats on the weight loss and, you know, keep up the good work. Um, that'll not only make you a better bike rider, but just a healthier person in general. Um, so keep that up. And, um, yeah, so what I would recommend is go low volume um, and go through the plan this year as if you were racing this year. And you could even pick a race around the similar race date this year is some is like, like a carrot or a goal to work towards um and use this year as like a whole practice year right so the last question mm -hmm. we talked about a practice week let's do a whole practice year building up fitness continuing to improve your body composition and gaining experience and all those sorts of things and, and actually then, do a race sure why not yeah if you if, if that's what you're doing this for do a race or do several races that, that's up to him but okay um but use that. And then the training plans, all of these training plans are reusable. So you can buy this plan this year, do it, and then reuse it next year, okay. assuming you liked it and it went well um, and you're seeing progress. 
um, and, and reuse it. Maybe you up the volume a little bit compared to last year if things went well mm-hmm. um, and go that way. So, you know, I think that's the takeaway. It's like keep, keep things going, use this whole year for experience and kind of a practice run of the whole program. Well, it is a practice run because once you've the first time you look at these workouts, you're like, well, what does this mean? What's an anaerobic threshold? But right. then next year, it'll make more sense. You'll exactly. be more familiar with how to do the intervals, how to, how to navigate the workouts and right. be more successful. And people do our in-house base builder program year, year after, after year after year. After oh, year. We do it year yeah. after year. And you get better and better each year. And um, So, yeah, definitely I think it will work for you. And, you know, reason it again in 2021 and you'll be ready to go. You'll be fit. All right. Thanks so much, Eric. Good luck with um, everything you're doing. All right, the next question comes from Larry Price, and it came through Trading Peaks, which is kind of cool. Um, Hi, Cody. Um, I have found the lead. Oh, I have done the Leadville Mountain Bike Race 14 times, but wow. this year is different. I'm doing the Leadman. Mm. Um, I did all but the 100 uh, mile run in 2018. Unfortunately, I tore a calf muscle in the bike race. Finished, but pedaled with one leg for 52 miles. Oh my God, let me just stop for a second. <laughs> I had not read this one before. Holy crap. Okay, that does remind me of when I swam with one arm one year when I hurt myself. Um, I have a coach, but he is more of a run coach. I need to incorporate the ride plan into my overall plan. I thought about buying yours and integrating it with, with my run plan. Maybe scale it a bit to offset the run miles. What do you think, or do you have a plan that covers both? Okay, yeah. Leadman, that's a big, that's a big, big event. One, yeah. yeah, so those not familiar, that's um, a series. So Leadville, the Lifetime Series has running events as well. There's an off-road marathon in Leadville. Um, see if I can get this right. There's the Silver Rush 50 bike and run, which I think you only have to do one because they're on the same weekend, but you can do both. Um, and then there's the Leadville 100 mountain bike, followed the next day by the 10K, which I think is a road run through town or around town. Oh, right, yeah on Sunday and then a week later is the 100 mile run, run. Um, which is a slightly different course but um, every bit is challenging if not more so and the fact that it's running is crazy but good on you um, Larry so I don't have a lead man specific plan but I do think you're on the right track with being able to use our low volume leadville plan and then supplement in the running um, accordingly with your run coach um, and uh, and going that way um, Can you believe he rode the last 52 miles with one leg? Right, let, let's just talk about that for a yeah, second. Yeah, that's crazy. What in the world? But yeah, congrats. He's clearly a tough guy. Yeah, definitely a tough guy. And I think that's what it takes with Leadman or any of these 100-mile yeah. running foot the races. The ability to endure suffering. Yeah, and just staying in the game. Um, I couldn't do it. My feet would just start hurting. So um, yeah, and I think you have to grow a really good beard, too, to be in Leadman. Right. I think they always And get always... short shorts and long socks. Yeah, but the beard is definitely key. Um, so... <laughs> Larry, do you have a beard? Yeah, depending on the person, you yeah. might have to start working on it now, <laughs> or maybe like me in two weeks before, you can grow the beard out. So, um, But yeah, I think our low volume would work great and supplement okay. the running in. Um, All that. right, the last Leadville-specific spe- question is from Matt Gordon. It also came um, through Training Peaks into your email. Okay, it says, Hi, Cody. Um, ooh, let, me, let me read this right. Hi, Cody. I'm hoping to upgrade my buckle this year at the Leadville 100 and go sub nine hours. I raced Leadville a few years ago, and my time was 11.30. It was my first ever Colorado mountain bike race shortly after moving from the Midwest. 
I think my endurance at altitude has developed strongly and I'd like to follow somewhat of a structured 12 to 16 week plan as best I can. Can you provide any more details or insight on the ultra endurance low volume 12 week plan? I do all my writing outdoors and by the time I start it, it shouldn't be an issue. Any input would be appreciated best, Matt Gordon. Okay. So Matt's speaking specifically of our 12-week race prep plan. So our race prep plans are assuming you've already established a base of some sort, uh, you know, either following our base builder plan or on your own um, base training. And that can be done any number of ways. But, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, the 12-week, the low-volume 12-week race ultra race prep plan is essentially the last 12 weeks of the of the mm-hmm. lead bill plan. So assuming, Matt, that you are getting a good base between now and 12 weeks before, you should be fine um, on doing that. And like I mentioned earlier, you can do all these workouts outside if you're opposed to indoor riding. Um, but there's a lot of value to indoor riding too. Also, I noticed Matt Gordon has a 317 phone number, so he is a local Hoosier, a, a fellow Hoosier. Oh, from Indiana? Yeah, Matt, yeah. I'm from Indianapolis. Grew up there on the northeast side, so hello. Yeah. So, Matt, yeah, get your base in, you know, start sooner rather than later, you know, yeah. as early as now. Um, get that base in, and then you can definitely, as long as you got that base, jump into our 12-week race prep plan that'll get you fit for race day for Leadville or any kind of ultra- uh, you know, seven, eight hour plus kind of distance bike race. So um, I think you, you're on the right track. All right, good job. Base. Thanks, Matt. Cool. Cody, do you want to keep doing questions? or should we? Yeah, I think we have a few the... more. Okay. Um, I didn't know if you wanted to keep. More general. I think the remainder yeah, are, are more general. Yeah, these are more general. We, we got a, a question that came from Italy. I do not speak. Italy. I do not speak Italian. Um, so we'll give it a, a shot here. My accent, though. This is from Stefano Pantaleo. Too much? No, keep okay. going. All right. Um, he, <laughs> I cannot read this. He, a possible. Okay, he just asked if we speak Italian. Oh. I, I can't even. You're not even going to try. I'm okay. not going to try. I'm embarrassed now. <laughs> buongiorno. Buongiorno. What's his name? Uh, Stefano. Stefano, buongiorno. Grazie for the email. Uh, unfortunately, no, we do not, even though it sounds like we do, we don't speak uh, Italian. Um, it is a goal of mine at some point to create all these training plans in Spanish that's not going to help Stefano but um, you know that has been on my to-do list for a long time yeah we need a friend Sylvia's uh, help I want to get into the Spanish market for sure Um, but unfortunately Stefano no Italiano coming from us Um, I'd like to change that but (laughs) it's not going to happen anytime soon okay but thanks for checking us out Okay, um, the next question comes from Steve Myers, and it's a question about training peaks and base builder. Hey, Cody, thanks for your help. I'm about six weeks into the 18-week base builder program and loving it. I have a quick question about training peaks, heart rate zones, and power zones. Is there a type and method you prefer for heart rate and power? I have used um, training peaks for years now, and I really like the tool, but I wanted to try to match uh, your zones the best I can. Thanks. So he's asking about the training peaks zones. Yeah, and I get this question a lot from people. What does he he mean exactly? So inside training peaks, you can select several different types of heart rate training zones and power-based training zones, which is great. With our program, we provide our own spreadsheet and testing protocol to determine sort of our version of Mm, heart rate and power training zones. Unfortunately, they are not on the training peaks website. So there's two options. 
you can either manually input and create, basically put our training zones into training peaks for your own use. It's fairly easy to do. Um, under the settings. Under the settings. Yeah. Or pick um, the ones I usually steer people towards for heart rate is the it's the Joe Friel seven zone model based off of lactate threshold heart rate, which you could calculate at about 90% of your maximum heart rate, which again, using our test, you'll identify those numbers. Um, and then for the power, we use the Coggin, I think it's seven also, seven zone system based off of uh, FTP power, which is also identified in our uh, training zone spreadsheet. Okay. Um, now that said, it's like you don't even need to worry about that because what that is even in there for is so you can go back and see how much time is spent in the various zones and there's other things that are interesting and maybe valuable, but I've never really, I don't spend too much time looking at that stuff. Yeah, you and I never talk about like zones. I hear yeah. people saying, oh, I was riding how in zone three. And, for, right. I don't know. I didn't even... Think about it. Yeah, it kind of like overcomplicates. But if you're a data person and you like to look at it, you can select those zones I recommended or create basically input hours into Training Peaks. Okay. Or just not really worry about it. Um, All right. So that's up to the individual. But unfortunately, our zones are not in Training Peaks. I mean, maybe someday we'll get big enough that Training Peaks offers that for us, but not at this moment. Got it. Okay, another question from James Kennedy. He's one of our remote. Base Builder guys, right? Yes. Okay. Hey, Cody, I hope this finds you doing well. I missed Base Builder last week. Um, a house guest accidentally took home my Wahoo Kicker power supply. Oh, that sneaks. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, it's like our kids always stealing our iPhone chargers. Right. Um, now that I have it back, should I catch up on last week's training, the week of uh, January 14th, or just start with this, this week, week of January 20th? Let me know what you think. Thanks. Okay. I like this question because it might pertain to many people because missing a week of training just happens, whether you have a little illness or you got busy at work or you had to travel or whatever. Um, so how to make up a missed week. Um, if it's just a week, um, I think it's okay. And, and you weren't sick. You can definitely kind of go back, assuming you have time in the build up to your a race and just shift everything forward a week. So you're essentially doing last week's now and every week forward a week quote behind. Okay. I think that's fine. If you were sick um, and you missed a week, you might want to lower the power targets like we talked about at the very beginning of this show, 5%. And we kind of cover some of the stuff around that in last week's episode 24 about training around being sick. Um, and if you miss more than a week, then you need to start maybe adjusting your, because you you will have lost some fitness. So you yeah. have to start yeah. adjusting your power output levels. Um so more than a week, you know, maybe drop. If you haven't been sick and you missed two weeks, drop at least by 5% your power numbers and go back. Um, so wait, if you missed more than two weeks but you weren't sick, drop about 5%? Yeah, because okay. if you're sick, we recommended the 10%. 10%. Yeah. Right. Um, and then more than two weeks, sick or not, you lost a lot and you have to go way back or consider sort of starting over. But, okay. Um, you go back and listen to last week's show. But for him on his question specifically – I think you can, you kind of have the option really. If you, if you want to stay on track with us like week to week in your A race, you don't have much room there, just skip ahead and yeah. get right into it. If you have the ability to move things back or for, move things forward, then you can make up last week's and go forward from there. Yeah. So, um, 
I think it's so funny as Haskell took his took cord. Power cord. Dang okay. it. All right. Um, oh, John Sisk. I love that guy. So John Sisk is our IT um, support and good friend. Really and genius. Helps is what us he is. with our computer. Yeah, and issues. he he's like kind of a CrossFitter from like Several for years. many many years. He's been a CrossFitter, but he is really getting in, in, into the cycling. So here he writes, "Hey, famous broad podcasters." Just finished finished uh, episode 24, and it got me thinking. Steve Mitchell and I are in the lottery for the Dirty Kanza 100-mile gravel race on May 30th. And Steve Mitchell's an old friend, too, and CrossFitter, and a Spartan racer. He's very into Spartan racing. So John says, I'm thinking about trying one of your structured training plans. I'd like to keep doing CrossFit regularly and wondered what you thought about pairing CrossFit with the bike workouts from the training plan. Maybe three times a week doing CrossFit and Olympic lifting and two to three times a week doing the bike workouts. With that in mind, do you think it would make more sense to start a longer plan now alongside CrossFit or switch exclusively to a cycling strength strength plan closer to the event? My goal for the event isn't really to dominate or leave it all on the road. Just wanted to be a little more comfortable trying to keep up with Steve. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, thanks, John, for the question and all your help getting everything set up and figured out. He helped us improve our microphones. Well, he just changed the logo for the yeah, podcast. Yeah, does a lot for us. So we'll, we'll hook you up with whatever training plan you need, but... To kind of answer your question, which is surrounding like combining maybe CrossFit and endurance training, um, it, it can be a little tricky, but uh, I think initially, like the first half of our kind of base builder build-up program, you could probably keep doing CrossFit, especially because you're experienced with it, in replace of our strength program. Mm -hmm. And then eventually the training on the bike, the intervals and longer rides on the bikes will start getting demanding enough where you're not going to probably want to do as much CrossFit because CrossFit is very demanding. So it's like this balance. So I would recommend just keep doing the CrossFit. You love it, do it. You're good at it and you have fun with it. Build up the bike training and then when, it, you know, as soon as you start to feel like CrossFit is negatively impacting your bike training, then dial back the, the CrossFit. Yeah, like that. That's how I have done it too. Like in the fall, I was doing CrossFit workouts with a group, and it was fun. But yeah. there's there's just no way I could handle yeah. doing that right now with the bike workouts. Yeah, and CrossFit it combines the strength training with intensity. But eventually, we get enough intensity on the bike that you don't want any more intensity. So you can definitely still keep doing some heavy weightlifting and things, mm -hmm. but just take the Metcon high intensity aspect out of the CrossFit style of right. training. Um, well, and the Dirty Kansas like May 30th, so there's, it's not that far True, away, and then far. he has the whole summer he can do CrossFit too. Right, that's a good point. So It's so cool, he and Steve signed up for the Dirty Kids. Yeah, that is really awesome, I hope you guys get in. Um, and oh, yeah. they're not necessarily Well, they're in the lottery, in okay. yeah, I don't know when that is, but somewhat soon. Oh, I, I hope think. they do. Yeah. All right, we love you, John. All right, we have one more question, okay. Jeff, Jeff Foster. I, I love, he keeps sitting questions, so it's great. Um, he said he's taken off some time for personal reasons. Uh, nevertheless, he's starting the... Um, RX ATP regimen again, beginning again with base. Yeah, our 12-week base builder is what he has. Okay. I performed the power fatigue test today and took a rather large hit in my FTP, but a huge increase in my uh, fatigue rate. However, can you please just take a look at the numbers here? I want to make sure that the calculation is correct because all of my numbers on the second power fatigue were lower yet resulted in a higher FTP. I'm totally fine with training at an FTP of 195 versus 227, but I also want to make sure I'm getting the most benefit out of this particular base than the previous ones. 
I have attached the, num the numbers for your review and I will begin and continue training with this result unless you suggest otherwise. Thanks for um, all that you've done for me personally. Okay. Yeah, so I think the root of his question is... Let me hand that to you. He saw some improvements in his anaerobic power numbers in the test after a bit of a break, which, and more so from the sound of it, in the one-minute power than the four-minute power. So mm -hmm. it increased his fatigue rate. Okay. That subsequently reduces your 64-minute power or, quote, FTP. Um, and we had a couple other people. Yeah, and actually last Saturday when we did an, a bonus in-house session because the weather was kind of cold, our friend Doug Schuler asked the same question. And I, yeah. I, I thought you could address all of it right yeah, now Yeah, so essentially it's like his – when sometimes when your power numbers improve, like your one in four-minute power tests, which is what we use for our – to determine training zones um, – it's possible that your longer duration calculation zones will actually decrease. And why is that? It's because the fatigue rate is increases. So the fatigue rate is the percentage at which your power declines from the one-minute test to the four-minute test. Mm -hmm. And most people are 5 to 8%, somewhere in there. Some, okay. Sometimes a little outside that, but 5 to 8 is kind of the average. So when... Your one-minute power, your really anaerobic power, increases, and/or your or your four-minute just decreases because you from a lack of training. That will increase that fatigue rate, meaning you your ability to sustain power drops more dramatically. So you can be better for one minute, but then when you get out to like thirty-two minutes or sixty-four minutes, because we double the durations, we go from. We, well, we go 1 to 4, and then from 4 we double to 8, 16, 32, 64. That's how we figure out the training zones. Um, that can be a little confusing because you're like, well, my numbers are up in the test, but then the results are down at that FTP level or that 32 to 64-minute power range. And that's what it is. It's the your ability to sustain power has decreased. You've lost that sustainability level of fitness. Does okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay. It, it's more confusing to me on the opposite end, but let's finish talking about Jeff okay. particularly. Yeah, so what I like about our testing protocol is that it figures out a, in more detail like a person's capabilities, whether you're more of a power athlete, speed sprint athlete that can really go hard for one minute, or are you more of like a sustainable diesel engine person that can, maybe you're not particularly great like myself at one minute power, but your four minutes good, and then definitely when you start getting out to 16 minute, 32 minute and stuff, it, it's relatively way better than most people. So um, that's because I have a little lower fatigue rate. Okay. Okay? So the goal in training is to see improvements in your anaerobic power, one in four minute power, but then also level out, if your goal is endurance racing, which most people listening, that's the goal of some sort. And the endurance racing is really, in my opinion, any event an hour or longer. Um, then you want to see improve those numbers, but improve that fatigue rate. If it's 7 or 8%, you want to knock it down slowly to 6%, 5%, because that means you're able to sustain high, higher levels of power for longer durations, right, right. meaning your endurance is better. Right. So Jeff specifically, he... He's wondering if he should um, train with a 
with the new numbers being lower. His FTP is at 195 versus 227. So what did you say to him about that? Yeah, I think I think he should, um, at least in the beginning. Um, and also keep in mind, Jeff, that the first half of base builder focuses heavily on heart rate anyway, and you're going to be training aerobically to heart rate targets rather than power targets. So you won't actually even be training at that FTP number for six or more weeks until you, oh, right, until you right, get to right. there. And then there's actually a retest point. So maybe it'll, by then, you, may, you might be back right up close to that 227 number. Oh, let uh, us know, Jeff. Yeah. So, you know, taking two weeks or whatever it's been, several weeks off, those you're, you will get that fitness back more quickly than the first time going through building it up okay. um, that way. So, um, so it is a little confusing sometimes. People will see the improvement in the numbers and like yes I improved but it, maybe it's like your anaerobic the one minute one really improved the four minute one only improved a little bit so that percentage is now a little bigger maybe it went from six percent to eight percent and therefore numbers are lower out at the longer durations yeah that one makes sense to me a little bit more than the opposite which was what Doug was asking about okay um I think we had talked about how like my one minute and four minute numbers decreased from October to January. Oh, they both decreased. Yes, yes. But my aerobic twenty minute power, my aerobic threshold power increased, and so my FTP increased. Well, what I happened? It's not because your aerobic happened. twenty minute power increased. It's because even if both the one and four decrease, if the one or the four doesn't decrease as much as the one, that's where that percentage. Will oh, it possibly the, improve. It yeah, that you narrowed the, fatigue, the difference. Fatigue rate. Yeah. So as long as you feel like your test efforts were solid and it wasn't like you kind of held back in the one minute to artificially improve, right? Or you, or you goof something up, your pacing or whatever. As long as both tests were relatively solid and good, then it's possible. It's just because when you do improve your endurance, it's inevitable that you're going to lose some of your top end. It's a it's a scale. Okay. When, when you improve your anaerobic ability, you usually lose a little of your aerobic ability and vice versa. So that's why like a sprinter is not good at running a marathon and vice versa, <laughs> right? right? Um, so it's just this give and take, yeah. and that ratio or percentage, that fatigue rate percentage. And that's what I like about our tests because our fatigue rates change all the time depending on the season, um, depending on you know what aspect of training we're focusing on if it's more of the heavy weightlifting and the sprint work then obviously that's what will improve it's more of the long stuff that's what will improve and then the 20 minute test is really valuable because that number you do want to see other than after a break at the end of a season you want to always see that number at least staying the same if not slightly improving or right. greatly improving in some cases because that's the one that is we're not using that in training that's purely a indication of just your aerobic fitness so 20 minutes at 80 percent of your max heart rate see what that power is that number if it starts to go down then you're seeing signs of overdoing it you're not absorbing the training properly that number should always be going up even if it's just a little it should be going up um, throughout the training season and as long as that's going up you're good to go i think jeff said it went down a tad, but he said he took a few weeks off completely because right. of some stressful stuff in his life. So it would be expected that that would come down because he took time off. Um, but as long as, as long as that's going up while you're training, you're right on track. And okay. um, it's really about improving your anaerobic numbers while also improving that fatigue rate, which is that's it's way easier said than done. Um, but that's the holy grail. 
Okay. And Oof. Rudy. Yeah. All right. Well, that was um, an awesome group of questions that came in. So yeah, lots keep, of questions. Keep them coming. Email us at Cody at sessionsticks.com. And, and our new email, oh, yeah. although that one still works, but Cody at teamweight.com and Kathy at teamweight.com. That's we're, true. We're redoing stuff. We're transitioning stuff. everything, yeah. but everything will still come through wherever you send it right now. Yeah, and our new web URLs are weightendurance.com. Although if you type in endurance.sessionsticks.com, it'll still go there. So, um, But yeah, and then subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. We'd love to get ratings and reviews. Helps us improve our reach and... Uh, legitimacy, I guess, for others searching the interwebs for stuff to listen to. Um, so that goes a long ways. And thanks for sending in all the questions this week. And then we'll be back next week with uh, week 24 of our base builder. And I forget what the topic is next week, but we'll come up with something good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks so much, everybody. <laughs> right. Have a great weekend of training. Yes. Thanks.